Should we just start? Yeah, so that place. And that, I was so deeply moved by that because at that time I thought, okay, I'm a pastor. I'm a, a Christian, I'm a believer. These are my people, you know. This is the kingdom of God, these are my people. You are doing a job that in your opinion, it's protecting your country, it's patriotic, it's kind, it's for the well, like for the health of your community. And you feel shame or worry to walk around in your uniform. That kind of made me, I'm a very justice oriented person. So I felt that that was unjust for him. Like I was pissed at that. I'm like, why can't he go around with his uniform? You know, give the man a cookie, like he's a civil servant. And then I was like, Oh shit, I'm getting mad because of the Border Patrol guy. What? <laughs> this Avara thing is crack. <laughs> I need to get back in the car quickly. <laughs> Something I know I'm hugging ice. I'm like, ah. Some music build up and. And? I'm Jora. And I'm Jane. And this is Beyond the Encounter. Quick note, if you haven't listened to the first part of our finale on peacemaking or the previous three episodes, we suggest that you do that now. But yeah, Jen, what are we talking about today? So today we're talking about border encounters, and in that intro you heard the voices of two women, two friends of Ibarra, Lika Garnett and Joanne Lyons. Um, And they both participated in border encounter trips pre-COVID-19, and we asked them to tell us a little bit about their experiences for this podcast. Yeah. And so for this episode, I think we're just going to take you guys through some stories that we've heard from people um, about their time here in El Paso on a border encounter trip. Um, What they've learned in a border encounter is similar to everything that we've gone through in the podcast so far. So usually a border encounter, actually I've never actually been on one, so Jen, you should describe (laughs) what a border encounter is usually like. Okay, so it's typically three to five days. Mm -hmm. Groups will come. Most of them are affiliated with a church or a school. Um, Students have come on spring break trips, winter break trips, summer trips. Um, But then there's also just like people who are curious and want, have heard um, and seen the news about caravans coming, caravans of migrants coming to the border and are curious and want to be a part of hospitality at the border or want to know more of what's happening and just are drawn to El Paso and Ciudad Juarez because it's a it's right in the middle of the border and it's a um, huge port of entry. Um, it's not a missions trip it's more of like a, an educational immersion experience where you come and you're um, kind of thrown into this foreign cultural context and met with um, some like new topics and some um, kind of like forced to reckon with what your your assumptions were about immigration or or even like what your assumptions were about law enforcement and border patrol and then be challenged to rethink them not rethink them but like be pushed further into like considering what what like an opposing side might mm-hmm. think um, kind of like grapple with the complexity of it all mm-hmm, exactly yeah And, like, from what I've heard people say, these are very impactful trips. They're very, um, it's kind of, like, a little, like, like, yeah, like Jen said, to get people outside of, like, their normal routines, kind of in a different environment. But when you break out of your routine, you're able to see things differently. And, 
when you're in a new place, your eyes are kind of like taking everything in. And so there's an exciting opportunity for people to learn a little bit more. Um, and yeah, that's been like the majority of what Abara, Abara started with that. The desire is to still be a place where churches want to send their people mm -hmm. and like come and encounter a different cultural context and a different, this like binational city. Um, but without the white savior complex <laughs> that comes with it. I'm sorry, I'm speaking very frankly. No, that's good. <laughs> and I think that's like, yeah, the goal of a border encounter, I mean, is never to be... And like the same with this podcast, there's never an absolute answer to anything. There's complexity in everything. We're not here to provide answers. And so in the same way, a border encounter is here to introduce people to some of the complexity that they may have thought of was a pretty narrow... Black and white. Yeah. No, before. Yeah. But yeah, there's we've gotten to talk to some of the people who have been particularly transformed and inspired by what they learned here. And so we wanted to introduce you to some of them. Yeah, so the first first star of this episode is <laughs> Lika. Her full name is Angelica Garnett, and she visited on a border encounter, I think, in October of 2019. So over a year ago now. She's just like such a joyful person person with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and joy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like immediately wanted to be her friend. Lika herself being an immigrant and then working during college in this migrant farmers like ESL context. She goes on to become an American government teacher, a social worker to students who are immigrants during huge waves of deportation. She becomes a mom. She was a paralegal for her own immigration lawyer, started learning about the immigration legal system, and helping people fill out 601 waivers, applying for DACA, interpreting for different immigration legal seminars, empowering parents in schools um, to sign their kids up for DACA, she has this long resume of serving in immigrant populations in Florida and in North Carolina. Um, she's listening to the news. She sees the zero tolerance policies being enacted and enforced at the border. And she knew and that she had to come. Night, I'm a Christian, so I'm having my quiet time. And I, I have heard about family separation, obviously, and about um, the zero tolerance policy. And my heart's getting all like bothered. And I had another friend who's a justice pastor at a Methodist church, and he was going to go on a trip to the border. But with all these big wigs from the Methodist church, like the bishop of blah, 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 and the bishop of over there. And I'm just sitting there praying, and I, I'm very clear, and like, I have to go to the border. And I remember this conversation going like, that is the stupidest thing. <laughs> I'm clearly very disrespectful because I a lot of times tell God, like, that's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> But I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've heard. Like, what the hell is a stay-at-home mom going to do at the freaking border? Like, <laughs> same equipped people. Like, this is ridiculous. But I, at the same time, I told my justice pastor that I was planning on going on this trip to, to the border with this other church. And he said, hey, I have a really good friend from CCDA, Sammy, who has 
a ministry called Ciudad Nueva in El Paso. Let's call Sammy up and see if he would host us in El Paso because I think he was just like Abara was just kind of getting like started and separate from Ciudad Nueva. And he's like, let's see if we can be hosted by them. And I think what's important to like acknowledge about Lika's experience is that she is an immigrant herself. She is pretty familiar with the whole immigration context, having worked as a paralegal and all of that. She knows the difficulty. So that wasn't necessarily the complexity that Lika had to step into. The complexity, though, that Lika got to step into was in her meeting with Border Patrol. We go, I'm sweating. I'm not enjoying myself. Um, But I'm imagining that is going to be this cowboy-looking white guy, right? And then shows up a guy that, I mean, my cousins don't look like him, but I'm like, let's extrapolate and say he could be my cousin. And I'm like, like, my mind exploded a little. I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a little bit too dark and a little bit too Latin to be Border Patrol. Like, this is intense. <laughs> and then he just shared, and I think this really stuck with me. So it's like when I was in second grade, they the border patrol people came and talked to us about rescue and talked to us about like you know being trained on these native american practices of tracking how to find people in the desert and how you could also have like helicopters and all these really cool stuff literally to go help people and i was like okay i'd never heard of that so slowly my image of the super scary guy it's kind of becoming less and less scary and um, he then told me like you know it's really really hard when administrations change like we become the enemy and um, it's really hard for me and it's really hard for my wife and for my kids like I don't wear the uniform with pride when I'm out in the community Um, like if I go to Walmart I'm not going to be wearing my uniform and that gave me pause because I was like well that's shitty because you are doing a job that is necessary. You are doing a job that, in your opinion, is protecting your country. It's patriotic. It's kind. It's for the well, like for the help of your community. And you feel shame or worry to walk around in your uniform. That kind of made me. I'm a very justice-oriented person, so I felt that that was unjust for him. Like I was pissed at that. I'm like, why can't he go around with his uniform? You know, give the man a cookie. Like he's a civil servant. And then I was like. Oh shit, I'm getting mad because of the Border Patrol guy. What? <laughs> this Avara thing is cracked. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get back in the car quickly. <laughs> Same thing I know I'm hugging ice. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Also, there's like, it's the part where she, Gustavo or someone Mm -hmm. in, in Juarez, I wasn't even there, but I just like love this story. Someone was like, I was like, I look around the room and I just see brothers and I see sisters Mm -hmm. and I see people that are exactly like me. And I come from a really, really, really far away place to just remind you that you have dignity and that you're not forgotten 
and that there are many of us that are fighting for you and that we see you and we understand that what's happening to you is not okay. And um, you are beautiful, resilient people. I admire you. I'm proud of your strength. And I'm bawling. And I'm, then I'm like, damn, where'd that come from? You know, if I could have that presence everywhere in my life. <laughs> and so then Gustavo speaks. And then we are able to distribute the boxes. And then the craziest thing happens. I get a line of people. Like, I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't have anything else. Well, this line of people, they were lining up to get a hug. Like I'm some sort of, you know. <laughs> and so, of course, I line up and I give people a hug. And then there's this woman that comes and she says, I need you to hold me. Will you hold me while I cry? And I'm like, absolutely. Uh, for however long you need to cry. Mm -hmm. So this woman holds on to me. I think I've been held like that maybe by one of my kids in the middle of like a really horrible moment. And that's about it. She was holding to me. I can't even express. But so she is just crying and weeping and crying. And I'm just kind of like speaking words of encouragement over her. And I just say like, will you let me pray for you? And she's like, yes. Yeah. So I am like, you would think I'm Pentecostal, which I'm totally not. <laughs> But I was like, you know, like just praying out loud over her and just being like, you're a strong woman. And, you know, I need you to release and take this opportunity to get all of these out. This time is impossible and you're strong and you're a mom. And so all of these things, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So she finally decides that she's done. Right. And she's like, thank you. I needed to cry. And I said, I understand that this is probably the first time that you have the opportunity to cry because there are probably not a lot of options for you to cry when you are in a shelter surrounded by people who are in the same situation or with your children. Like, I understand, like, I am so honored that you would pick me to be a crying person. Like, I am so grateful. So then she's like, she, um, she wanted to take a picture with me and then we hugged and then we hugged some more. And so I'm like, okay, clearly that was it. Like, I think I'm done. And then, another lady comes up she's indigenous um, tiny little thing and I'm tiny I'm only 5'3 don't think I'm like this big person so if I say she's tiny she's tiny and she has a little tiny baby see she's got one of those um, indigenous wraps and her tiny baby's in there and she um, doesn't speak a lot of Spanish so she just throws herself and starts crying I think she saw the other lady and assumed I had been assigned the crying shoulder, which I was so happy to be. But so then she clung to me the same way and she's just bawling. <laughs> and so I don't know what to say. I same process. I'm like, okay, when you have nothing to say, offer prayer. I said, do you want me to pray for you? And she says, um, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak English. And she says, I'm indigenous. And so I said, well, I don't, I don't mind. Like, do you want me to pray slowly in Spanish? And she was like, yes. And so I started praying for her in Spanish and she starts crying like loud. And all she says is, Jesus. And you hear, Jesus. And I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, and I've got like, I still like the, the memories are still really fresh. And, and that was intense. 
And so we we kind of finished that moment and kind of holding the baby and kind of like reminding her like God sees you and this is an impossible moment. Like I can't take it away from you. I don't know how you're surviving it, but you clearly have the strength. Like you're gonna be safe. Like and so then the guys at this point were walking around doing the water whatever and so then i kind of like sneak out of like i do not have the mental or emotional capacity to hold anyone like i am this close to losing my shit and i'm not supposed to i'm like one more and i will sit on a bench and not stop crying until i fly back to charlotte <laughs> I feel like that story needs to be in there too. Because I think also that shows that the border encounter and like coming here is an effort to create connections and to bring people together and not create divides. And I think Lika was the perfect person to step into that. And it's kind of incredible to just show as well how telling someone that you want them with you, especially when your government is telling them to get out and that we don't want you. I mean, it just shows the power that like literally just saying like, we want you and there are people who want you and care about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that just is like a good example of what happens when we choose to be radical in a sense I don't know like you're saying like in a radical way I welcome you and accept you and want you and then you're also saying in a radical way like I'm not going to hate on anyone Mm -hmm. like with her reaction to border patrol like just to sit there and be open to the understanding of like wait this is a human too and he has a job that he's been asked to do and it's difficult for him sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's not just a power complex you know I think that was just so cool too yeah absolutely so my name is Sarah Casada, and I got involved actually So Sarah has been involved and done many different experiences and encounter trips along the border and lived and worked in LA in a predominantly um, Hispanic population and was thrust into immigration um, like conversation and actually ended up marrying an undocumented man and went through the whole citizenship process with him. And so she's not unfamiliar with immigration issues and how the whole process works, but she did have some really interesting things to say about like her time on the border. We did have a moment. They took us to a more remote part of the border that was um, more deserty. Maybe all of El Paso's desert of coming from Georgia. It felt very deserty. Um, but they, they took us to a portion of the border that was a little less populated, a little more remote, but there were some women on the other side of the border fence who spoke with us a little bit and they were collecting, um, 
think they were collecting like the bottle tops of two liter bottles because they were doing some kind of craft in their child's um, like preschool class, mm -hmm. which as a mom, you just kind of have this moment where you connect to the mother in me connects to the mother in you of like, we've all had to repurpose things for toddler crafts and they were gracious enough to speak with our group and we were even able to pray together through the wall. And I think that was a, there was a moment of peace in that space where um, we could acknowledge the brokenness of what was between us while also being able to connect as humans and as mothers together. She also had some really interesting things to say about the experience with Border Patrol and what she, that does for her um, and what that did for her and why it's an important part of the Border Encounter trips. The experience of meeting with Border Patrol is also very eye-opening and powerful. I think so often what I witness when I'm at the border is that we are addressing a humanitarian crisis with a national security response. And it is, it is um, humanizing to be able to have empathy for border patrol officers who are doing what they were hired to do to protect the borders of the country mm -hmm. while recognizing that the situation that is approaching the border is different than what they expected or have been necessarily um, trained to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such an important piece of the puzzle to understand the full picture of what's happening at the border. Many times you meet with Border Patrol, they've grown up in those towns, you know, they've grown up in El Paso, um, or they came here because it was something they felt passionate about. And so um, I really appreciate getting to hear those different perspectives and being able to hold space for both because everybody's affected by what's going on at the border. Joanne Lyon came on one of our border encounter trips, and she is the general superintendent and ambassador of the Wesleyan Church. Um, so she's kind of a big deal. And she came on a border encounter trip, and she was also really impacted um, by what she saw. And here's her story. At that time, then after people had been through various places and finally out of ice uh, then they were brought into downtown El Paso and dumped in the Walmart parking lot and one of the pastors said to me well uh, if you want to he said they'll I'll get a call and Walmart will say well or ice will call me and say well I have 200 um, uh, asylum seekers in the Walmart parking lot can you come and pick them up and he laughed and said to me, well, if you want to blow your benevolent budget in one week, that's how you do it. But they were doing it. They were blowing their budget, but it didn't matter. They were still at it. And then there was a smaller trip. But the day we were visiting on that, on the El Paso side, he didn't have any people. It, it, it was off one of his days. And so uh, we were taken to a small church, a small Pentecostal church, literally three rooms in that church there was a sanctuary there was something like a kitchen and fellowship hall and then there were 
classrooms, small. And we got there and I was so overwhelmed. This pastor was taking between 70 and 80 people. Uh, they would be there for two days and then a new group would come and a new group would come and she would help in, and the people would come in from the congregation, bring medicine, help with take care of babies, whatever needed to be done. They'd, they'd turn, they transformed their, their uh, sanctuary into cots, just cots, straight cots all the way through. Uh, and um, that's, uh, so when we got there, there had just been a busload of people brought in, worn out. You could see the worn out look on their face, all they'd been through, the babies crying, mothers crying, men. There was exhaustion, uncertainty, fear, what's going to happen to us. We've tried to leave uh, uh, terrible situations, <clears throat> and now what's going to happen? So all of those emotions. Grief, I think, also a family they've left behind at the same time leaving to take care of their family. Um, so all of those kinds of things. Well, the past, the pastor of the church, uh, we there were eight of us. There were eight eight women. Uh, no, there there was a, there were a couple of men with us as well, and uh, we were there. And she just stood up and she said, "Now," she said, "I want you to meet our friends that have come to help today." Uh, she said, "And these are all pastors." Well, when she said that heads lifted they looked at us and in an instant and she said that all of course this is in spanish of course and in that instant as she said that these children just rushed up grabbed us around our legs i'll never forget that uh and uh hugged us and then some of the people began to say pastors they said out loud pastors pastors we haven't seen any pastors for months oh my well I, I, I couldn't keep the tears from my eyes, I'm telling you, because I realized then at that time, these are not thugs, these are not criminals, they are, these are not human traffickers, these are families, and these are believers, you know, they, some person that isn't, they don't care about seeing a pastor, they don't want a pastor, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that, I was so deeply moved by that, because at that time, I thought, okay, I'm a pastor, I'm a, a Christian, I'm a believer, these are my people, you know. This is the kingdom of God. These are my people. Uh, and uh, God's called me to my people. So, uh, it, 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 I mean, I knew that intellectually, but that day it, be, it really hit in my heart emotionally uh, that that's what this is about. Much of what we're doing is, is about this. It's about people made in the image of God and every person, etc. But even more so, uh, people from... Uh, from our own our own Christian family. I think Joanne is a cool example of what it looks like to walk into a new experience and know that you're about to put to practice what you've preached. <laughs> I think it was refreshing to hear from her that she, um, yeah, was walking into this and was like, I've theoretically, I know these things, but being here and seeing people and hearing their voices mm -hmm. and like praying with them, I now know what this looks like and what it looks like. And she just got a bit of a taste, I think, of what she was saying, that mutuality of learning from people from 
seeking understanding from people who think differently than you, who are from different places than you are. Mm -hmm. And I just was very encouraged as well that that was something that she walked away from an encounter with, was that I'm excited to learn from people, and Mm -hmm. I think it's important to learn from people. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I, like, I don't know Joanne personally, so I don't want to make assumptions on her behalf or, like, assumptions about her pretext coming into the encounter. But, I mean, she's probably heard the narratives of, I mean, she said at some point, like, these are not, like, thieves, these are not thugs, these are Mm -hmm. not criminals, these are people, and they're my people. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, they believe in, like, the same God that I believe in, so I am called to like, love them and welcome them and be hospitable towards them. So, Jen, what's the goal of a border encounter? Well, I think I'm going to answer that with a non-answer. Okay. I think that the goal... The goal of a border encounter... Like, it's just, that's, like, funny, because there, there's no, like, fixed goal. Like, it's not like we're trying to, like, produce results. I think it's more just, like, we want to, we want people to come. If they need to be, like, pushed outside of their comfort zone, that's great. And if... If, like, being pushed out of your comfort zone while you're on a border encounter makes, like, makes you want to, like, rethink about the way that, or, like, if that changes your paradigm of of immigration in the United States, that's great. But that's not, like, the goal in and of mm-hmm. itself. So, I don't know. I think the goal is just to, like, give people like space to process and space to be away from their home context and like kind of like sensory overload for a few days and then to go back home and like want to just like love people a little bit better in their own backyard and Mm -hmm. advocate for people Mm -hmm. advocate for immigrants in their own localities and then also advocate for immigrant immigration policy on Mm -hmm. like a national scale Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed Abara's first podcast series, Beyond the Encounter. Thanks to anyone who's listening to this that we interviewed. Your knowledge has contributed entirely to our creation of this series. We also have a list of Abara's resources that are used on border encounter trips linked below. And find Abara on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Abara Frontiers. That's our handle for everything. If you want to share this podcast and tag Abara, we will respond to you and thank you and chat with you a little bit and try to convince you to come visit us. It's been a journey.